Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found on our app for both Apple and Android phones. Search Grace 417 in your app store and follow along. And now, for our message. We've been talking about having the best Christmas ever and the best Christmas forever by kind of connecting our celebrations to the eternal one, the original one. When Jesus first came, we've looked over this last month, we've looked at things like lights and music and planning and gatherings and guests. And Friday night at our Christmas Eve service, we looked at the the perfect gift as well. But even if you, in the natural kind of temporary holiday tradition sense, even if you had the perfect Christmas, which is impossible, by the way, you know why it's impossible? Why is it possible to have a perfect Christmas? Your family. You know why it's impossible. Those people that come to your house and you're like, ah, it's just the same reason that there are no perfect churches. It's the people, right? So you, you, you did, even if you had the, the best Christmas you could possibly have, here's the problem. December 26th. Like at, at, on December 26th, things just start to, start to feel like a little bit of a letdown. Raise your hand if you have ever felt what I will call this morning the holiday hangover. On the 26th of December. You guys are super spiritual. Thank you for your honesty, Jesse. Yeah, I mean, everything. It's just kind of, it's a, it's a, you're so much buildup and so much focus and so much that we put into having this amazing Christmas experience that the day after Christmas can feel like kind of a hangover. Like it's just, it's not a happy day. If everything is built on one day in December for us to be happy in this season of the year, then we are going to be unhappy the day after it's over. But I want to propose to you this morning, it's a short little message, I want to propose to you that this could be a really, really, really good day. That this could be kind of a starting point for a fresh season of seeking Jesus, of following hard after the Lord. Rather than it being a negative day, in some ways, for Christ followers, this is a day where all of the distracting things, the superficial things, the temporary things, all of that stuff can kind of get just pushed away. And we're left with this, this Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we can focus on him because the other stuff kind of falls away. Does that make sense? Turn to the person next to you and say, that makes sense to me. In, I was talking to Beth this morning. In England, do you know what today is? Boxing Day, yeah. Everybody gets gloves and they just go, No. <laughs> Not that kind of Boxing Day. It's for the servants. They would, the servants would serve on Christmas Day, and then the day after Christmas, they would exchange gifts, and they called it Boxing Day. So, I, but we're going to rename this day by the end of this service. So if you are a person under 10 years of age, I want you to pay attention, because when I see you in the hallway after this service, I'm going to ask you, what is the new name of December 26th? Okay? You hear me? Under 10. I'm going to ask you. And Scott Lewis. He's going to get asked too. But everybody else, under, under 10, you're going to be asked what this new name is today. So most of the Christmas narratives stop with the shepherds going to Bethlehem and seeing Jesus and the wise men coming later and giving them the gifts. And then we go to like, we fast forward to Jesus being 12 years old in the temple when he, it's like the one time Jesus gets in trouble because he's not with the family and he goes and does what he wants and he's in Jerusalem and the family is three days away. And then we, go, we, we you know, fast forward even then and he's being baptized and his ministry starts. But between Jesus being 12 in the temple and Jesus being looked at in a manger by the shepherds, there's a couple of things that take place that are really significant. And one of them is this, that eight days after Jesus is born, his parents take him 
to Jerusalem. Remember, he's born in what town? Good job. You've been paying attention. Six miles. They walk six miles up to the temple, up to Jerusalem, because Jesus has to be dedicated. He has to, they have to do the things that the law requires for the firstborn son. And so his parents, being observant Jews, go up to Jerusalem to dedicate Jesus. And we're going to be this morning in Luke chapter 2. So if you want to turn there with me or go there in your, uh, on your device, Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at that section of where Jesus is taken to the temple to be dedicated. And I want to pick up this morning in verse, if I can get the right book, in verse 25. Because I want to talk about a guy named Simeon. And if you've not thought much about Simeon, Simeon needs to be, I think, Simeon needs to be one of the people that we look at as a hero. As someone that we could imitate. Simeon is a big deal. Starting in verse 25, it says this about Simeon. At that time, this is when Jesus is being taken to Jerusalem. At that time in Jerusalem, there lived a man named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus as, uh, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, starting in verse 29, Sovereign Lord, now let me, I'm sorry, let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Just about everything that we can learn about Simeon is found in those verses. He says a little bit more after that. But mostly the things about his character, who he is as a person, we find out in this teeny little section of Luke chapter 2. So what do we know about Simeon? Simeon is a righteous man. He's, in right, he's, a, he's an upstanding man. He's a man who cares about doing things righteously, walking before God uprightly. He is a devout man. He is an observer of the law. He is paying attention to what a, a, a Jewish man would be required to do. And he is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the Christ, that is, the, the anointed one, the Messiah. It says also in, the next, in that section of Scripture that the Holy Spirit is upon Simeon. Now think back to when we were working through uh, our series of messages on the Holy Spirit back in the fall. When, when the Spirit is upon someone, that's another way of saying that they are filled with the Spirit. And while I understand that this is before the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, there is definitely a special connection with the Holy Spirit in Simeon. It says that the Spirit is upon him. And the Spirit, this will blow your, you know, kind of blow your theology, the Spirit has let him know that he's not going to die until he sees the Messiah. Now, I'm going to be really honest with you. If we meet out in the hallway today and you tell me that the Holy Spirit has told you that something is going to happen before you die, I'm a pastor, so I'm going to smile. And I'm going to nod. And I'll put my hand on your shoulder. I say, that's great. But I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. You're nuts. <laughs> because when people say things like that, it makes me nervous. Like the Holy Spirit told me that I won't die until, until uh, I get to see the Messiah. That's kind of out there. But the reality is, according to the text, it's true. Somehow, some way, for some reason, the Holy Spirit has let Simeon know you're not going to die until you see the Christ. 
So this man is a, is a spiritual man, a devout man, a righteous man, an upright man, and he is definitely a spirit-led man. So he's got this connection with God. He knows that he's going to not die and, until he sees the Messiah. And that particular day, now think about this. Jewish people have been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years. And there has been no prophetic word for 400 years since the end of Malachi to the point that we're looking at in the New Testament. And on that specific singular day, that day, the Holy Spirit says to Simeon, go to the temple. And so he, he works his way. I don't know how, we don't know how old he is. We assume he's old. But he works his way in there. And he is in the temple when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus in. And he is ready to have his promise from the Spirit fulfilled. Crazy stuff. You want something crazier? Look with me in verse 28. It says, Simeon was there, kind of like hanging out, kind of creepy, standing there. Mary and Joseph come in. Look what it says next. It says, he took the child in his arms and praised God. It doesn't say that Simeon approached Mary and Joseph and said, I see you have a child there. Might I hold him? It does not say that in the text. All it says in the text is that he walked over and went, that's the Messiah, and took the baby out of their hands. Now, what would you do? That would be a little bit over the top. Give me my, I mean, there would be full on, you know, it would be, it would be Boxing Day, you know, if that happened. So you took him, taking my kid, I want that baby right back. I, all I can figure is that the Holy Spirit must have been so present, not only in Simeon's behavior and actions and in, in the way he came at them, but the, the Spirit must have been letting Joseph and Mary know that this was completely legitimate, that this needed to take place. And so this, this older man who's been waiting is at this promise from the Spirit. He walks over and he takes baby Jesus in his arms. And I think he holds him up probably like this. I'm make, totally making this up. I think he holds him up like this. And he begins to praise and pray and prophesy. Look what it says in verse 29 again. It says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised He's looking at Jesus and he says, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people, a light for the nations and the glory for your people, Israel. Amazing uh, story, narrative, this experience is incredible. He is ready to go die because he's had his promise fulfilled. He's ready to go to the Father because he has seen the Son. What Simeon says when he holds Jesus is powerful, absolutely powerful. What must it have felt like to have whatever number of years of your life be consumed with this goal of holding, seeing, interacting with the Messiah, to finally have all that come to take place, to walk over, to hold this baby and know God has fulfilled his promise to me. I'm ready to go home. What would that have been like? His words are amazing. They're excellent. They're, they're powerful. But I want us to focus this morning on not what he says, but what he does. I want us to consider that this very old man was pursuing the Messiah. He was pursuing the Christ that would be the salvation of the world. We don't know much more about him, but we do know this. He was seeking Jesus. Say that with me. He was seeking Jesus. One more time. He was Jesus. He wasn't distracted. He was, he was devout and upstanding and waiting for the Lord, but he wasn't caught up in anything temporary. He wasn't, he wasn't caught up in anything superficial. He was listening to the Holy Spirit. He was responding to the Holy Spirit so that he could see the Son of God in the flesh. 
Simeon's life, and I think as I age, not that I'm old, but I think that as I age, I realize that as you get older, if you want your life to be meaningful, it has to get more simple, not more complicated. I see a lot of people nodding and saying amen. None of them are under 20, but it's true. (laughs) Totally true. Simeon's life gets really simplified as he moves towards his home going. He just wants to see the Lord. I think that if Jesus hadn't come back for another year, he'd still be living. Five years, he'd still be living because he had that promise. And everything was focused on, I'm going to wait until I see the salvation of the world, the King of Kings. People who pursue the Lord find him every time. People who seek the Lord are satisfied every time. That was Simeon. This hangover that I talked about, I know that's kind of indelicate language, but emotionally, relationally, some of you have been with your extended family. You're just recovering from that. (laughs) Physically, it's been hard. By the way, bless Rachel and the worship team and the choir. They have burned the candles at both ends and in the middle for this last couple of weeks, getting what we were able to experience this morning together. We're so grateful for them. But after Christmas, all of this, you know, financially, uh, all of this, dietarily, anybody feeling that? Like, I need to do a cleanse. <laughs> no more details. It just, I just, man, so much. This hangover, you feel it. It's like, oh, the 26th. Let me say something strong but in love, which you know is always dangerous when someone says, I'm saying this in love. Here's what I think. The degree to which we feel let down after Christmas is the degree to which we were focusing on other things than Jesus. If you feel let down, it's probably because, if I feel let down, it's probably because my eyes were on the wrong things. Because when my eyes are on Jesus, I don't feel let down. 26 is just another day. Just another day to walk with him. When you read Simeon's words in that moment, does he seem down to you? No, not even a little bit. His desire is fulfilled. Here's the thing. His joy is just beginning. All that expectation. He's not going to be like on the, for him the day after that, be like, man, I saw the Messiah. God, take me. <laughs> it's like, I saw the Messiah. I'm going to go eventually, but I'm so pumped up. I'm so excited. I don't think the shepherds saw Jesus, went home and were like, well, that was a great Christmas. Let's start counting 364 more days. So we can celebrate what happened last night. I think the wise men were like, let's give him the gifts and start saving for next year's gifts. I don't think that's, that's not the spirit of of the text that we look at. I think Simeon walked in there and had this experience and was never the same. And didn't come off any kind of a high because he got to see his heart's desire. It was just the beginning of the joy, not the end. What if we, this morning, 26th, what if we reframe this day? What if we, instead of kind of recovering and beginning to look ahead, like Jack was in that video, to next year, what if we just took this as an opportunity to refocus on the one that has really been the focus for the last month anyway? Jesus. What if we call, pay attention, 10-year-old and under, what if we call this day Simeon Day? where everything else gets pushed aside. And from this point forward, we start focusing on Jesus 
and everything that he has for us and how good he is to us and all that lies before us in him from this day forward without some of the distraction and the temporary stuff and the superficial stuff. If we set our hearts on Jesus like Simeon, this can be a glorious day as well as tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. Can we pray together? Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to be like Simeon. This man is a hero, Lord. He was led by your spirit and was, and was focused on what was most important, the coming of Jesus. And Father, my prayer this morning for us is that we would not, uh, not just give in to what is the kind of the spirit of the culture that everybody's taking a deep breath because they're wiped out from all of the stuff that they put themselves through, Lord. I know we can be tired, and that's legit. But at the same time, I pray that today we would see ourselves being like Simeon, led by the Spirit into your presence. And while we can't hold you in our hands, we can hold you in our hearts. And we can allow, Lord, maybe for the, without the distractions, for the joy of this season to rise up inside of us, for the peace of this season to rest inside of us. As we just look to you and say, Lord, it, it's not the end of anything. It's the beginning of everything with you. Father, I pray that we would be like Simeon. That you would be our sole focus. That you would help us to simplify our lives. And that seeing you high and lifted up, exalted. As AJ said in her video, Lord, that we, that we would be more intimate with you. Those would be the things, Lord, that are our focus. I pray this this morning, Lord, that none of us would feel let down, but rather lifted up, lifting our eyes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? I want to speak a blessing over you this morning before our worship team uh, concludes our service with a song. David's going to come after that with just a couple of quick announcements. But once more for this season, would you close your eyes? Would you extend your hands in front of you? Open them, palms facing skyward. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Grace Church family, Grace Church friends, may you be blessed by the Son, our Savior. May he be your wonderful counselor. May he be your mighty God, your everlasting Father, and the Prince of your peace. This day, tomorrow, next week, and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen.
We trust that this message made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about Grace Church, be sure to connect with us by visiting grace417.com or connect with us by filling out a connection card on our app.